I want you to turn your attention to the book of Leviticus, chapter 17. And the text really, well, I'm sorry that Brother Colin didn't read it. He's instructed to read down to verse 10. But the text is, verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Old Testament surveyor, message number four from Leviticus. Now the book of Leviticus has become forbidden territory for many Christians because they feel it was only written for the people in Old Testament times. Sadly mistaken, of course, they feel that it has no bearing on the church today. Now, this is a wrong way to view the Bible. The Bible is its own commentary. The Bible is its own dictionary. And the Bible is its own interpreter. When studying God's word, any part of God's word, we should always study on the premise of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture, all, not some, is given by inspiration, God breathed of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the person of God, Paul says that the man of God, and we write into Timothy, but this is a generic word, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The book of Leviticus is profitable to me and you. Leviticus was given to the children of Israel to regulate how God's people were to worship him. How sacrifices were to be presented to him. Having shown before in chapter 11 that we have studied the type of animals that could be eaten and the animals that were forbidden, God now forbids the killing of animals in the open field or even in the camp for sacrifices before appearing at the altar. All these regulations are, are meant to direct worshipers to the Lord Jesus Christ. We begin our study, it's only a survey, it's by no means an exhaustive study, with our first heading showing the stated prohibitions Verses 1 through 4. Now, I normally don't read. I give you the text, but I don't read all of the verses. And if you're studying it, I'm giving the outline for your benefit. The stated prohibitions. A prohibition is something that should not be done. You remember when God made man, he gave a stated prohibition to Adam and Eve. You may eat of every tree in the garden. But the tree that is in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat. 
For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was a prohibition. And that was a prohibition with a consequence. And every time God gives a prohibition, there is a consequence. And you know what happened if you are reading the Bible. Man has a way in his depravity to violate stated prohibitions. You know, you tell people don't do something and rest assured they're going to do what you tell them don't do, especially in the church. I always give an example to show how we are. I, I said to uh, the church many times, sometimes you see a police officer, you know, on the subway or somewhere standing up and his gun sticking out. And you have the tendency to say, take it out and say, stick it up. Um, and I, I said this, and, and some, I mean, a lot of people says, yeah, I feel like that. That is to show us our hearts. Any prohibition, we will break. We're fallen creatures. And we heard quite a bit of that this morning. Verse 1 and 2 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak ye unto Aaron and unto his sons, and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, saying, verses 1 and 2, The sons of Aaron were the primary servers at the altar. Most likely Aaron's first two sons are already off the scene for violating stated prohibitions. God doesn't have any respect of persons. Bible says that Aaron never said a word. But the calling brought it to my mind. Aaron could not say a word because of what he did earlier by making a calf. And he was shut up. Verses 1 and 2 are also meant to show that the words that were forthcoming was not from Moses. Incidentally, when some people are given biblical instructions concerning worship, they often assume that those instructions are coming from a pastor or a church officer. This is because they are not reading the Bible. The scripture says here, this is the thing which the Lord have commanded. All Moses is doing is repeating what God told him. And all, all the preacher is doing is saying what God has said to him. As I was sharing with a brother this morning, Jeremiah was told, go in the gate of the Lord's house and show the people their sins. And a lot of preaching in this church is not showing the people their sins. It's showing the people what we know about the Bible, but not showing them their sins. You don't deliberately do it, but the moment you take up the Bible, or the moment you get a glimpse of the Lord Jesus, you cannot help but saying the words of Isaiah, Woe is me. For I am undone.
The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Psalm 19, verse 8. This was a prohibition. No person should kill an animal to offer as a sacrifice privately to bring it to the altar. There was a consequence in violating this prohibition. Verses three and four. Verses three and four. And I haven't even got to, gotten to the text that I am um, sharing with you. Let me read verses three and four of Leviticus chapter seventeen. It, here it says there. What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or lamb or goat in the camp or that killeth it out of the camp and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, blood shall be imputed unto that man he have shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. Now notice the principal person in bringing sacrifices was the head of household, the man, the male. Men are responsible for their house. Men are given responsibility in their church, not women. God is clear in his worship. The blood of the slain animal was imputed or charged to the man who slaughtered the animal outside of the tabernacle. It was as if he had committed murder. God is insisting that the animal slain is a picture of the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. Man have always had the tendency to corrupt worship. God here warns not to do it. Animal sacrifices were to be unblemished, and who knows what men will bring before God if they are slaughtering the animals privately. People have a way their lives, that their private lives are different than their public lives in the church. Men will bring animals that are tattered and bruised in Leviticus 22, verses 24 and 25. We are told Leviticus 22, 24 and 25. You shall not offer to the Lord what is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land, nor from a foreigner's hand shall you offer any of these as the bread of your God, because 
their corruption is in them and defects are in them. They shall not be accepted on your behalf. And this is very clear. Some would bring that which was rejected or that which was given to them by a neighbor to offer to the priest. God commanded that the person offering the sacrifice must bring it to the door of the tabernacle. Very clear. God knows the hearts of men and has ordained from creation what he accepts from those who are called to worship him. Worship to God was not to be considered a common thing, a trivial matter. Worship is serious. In the days of Isaiah, Israel became rote worshipers to the point that God no longer accepted their offerings, he said, about their sacrifices. And I read from Isaiah 66, verse 3, he says, He that kills an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificed a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offereth an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burneth incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delighteth in their abomination. But brethren, you and I have to be very careful what we bring into this church in the name of worship. We'll come in any time, behave anyway, leaves rattling. Um, you turn to a passage of scripture 10 minutes ago and leaves still rattling, turning. We should be careful when we approach a holy God. There's another prohibition in verse 10, since I'm sharing prohibitions. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. Blood was forbidden, but we generally don't don't eat blood, but I it could have it could have meant cook blood. Uh, people in in cannibal lands drink blood, but this was forbidden to God's people. And, and today, some denominations, by the way, stretch this injunction too far by by not taking part in foods that have blood. I remember. When I was a boy, there were certain denominations that used to eat black pudding um, because it, it, it's stuffed with potato and, and, and spices, but it had uh, pig's blood in it. And, 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 and when it has blood in it, it tastes better. And, and if you were a Christian, you were told, no, you, know, you can't eat that. Well, I don't like it, but my wife liked it. So I guess she's sinning. But this is not what it is talking about. If the blood is thoroughly cooked, it can be eaten. Or like sometimes you may buy a steak, like Pastor Blaze did one time, with all the blood running out. Uh, and, and he said the more blood, the better. Um, 
But there's nothing wrong with a steak that is rare. It's not talking about that. Don't stretch it too far. Doesn't mean that. And that's where the Jews became legalistic. I ain't stretching it too far. Blood was forbidden because um, some people are of the idea that there are healing properties in blood. And God says the life of all flesh is in the blood. There was a particular blood that the Lord was directing all men to. Where Peter says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conduct received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot this is the blood that the Lord was directing us to so we have seen our first heading brethren a stated prohibition, I use the plural, stated prohibitions regulated by God. No independent slaughtering of animal sacrifice to bring to the altar. No eating of blood. Both injunctions were punishable by excommunication. Verse 10 tells this. I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. God used to excommunicate people. And you see what he did with Miriam. Miriam was partially ex excommunicated and the congregation could not move until she was restored. And people who sin in the church and continue to practice sin Blight the church. And that is why officers in the church should be vigilant and not leave all the dirty work for the elder. Come to our second head. Prescribe place of worship. Prescribe place, verse 5 goes on to say. Mm -hmm. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices, which they offer in the open field, even that they may bring them unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priests, I'll get to this later in the third heading, and offer them for a peace offering unto the Lord. The door of the tabernacle was the prescribed place where offerings were to be brought. The word is mentioned four times, the word door. In the context, sacrifices were brought to the door of the tabernacle, maybe for proper inspection. The door is the place of entry, and everyone sees when we come through the door. The tabernacle did not, if you look at it carefully, it did not have a back door. And a lot of people want to enter the church through the back door. There's no back door. Jesus said, I am the door. Any other door 
is the back door. Joining up the church and think they're in. No, you're not in. When one enters by the door, there is transparency and clarity. The door is also a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is very specific. He said, I am the door of the sheep. There were protocols when worshipers brought their sac sacrifices. Deliberate and concise because God is pointing us to Christ. The types and the shadows in Leviticus and in the Old Testament, as we have been seeing, are, have no substance today. Just like the ceremonial Sabbath, Saturday. The substance is the Lord Jesus. And this is why God gave these regulations in worship and his sacrifices. A whole war is going on now in the Middle East because people have misinterpreted scripture. And other nations are going along with it thinking because they're nice to Israel, God can bless them. But the only Israel I know that God speak about is the people of God, the true believer. And I've been saying that for the last 30 years. We come to our last heading because, like I said, this is simply a survey, not a comprehensive study. We saw the prohibitions. We saw the prescribed place of worship to come, the door. We now will look at the selected person for administration. The selected person for the administration of the sacrifice. Verse 6. And the priests shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for a sweet savor unto the Lord. It's the fact that God smells and inhales as a sweet savor onto his nostrils. And by the way, the Bible says that when we preach Christ, that it is a sweet smell unto God. When he sniffs, he smells the blood of Christ. If you preach a false gospel, it's a stench. If your life doesn't match what you preach, it's a stench to God's nostrils. The priest was the selected person designated to burn the fat of the offering just as commanded in Leviticus 4 verse 8. You may remember that during the days of Israel first king, an arrogant lost man, Saul, attempted to offer sacrifices to God. It cost him the kingdom. 
And at times, wrong men are in the wrong place in the ministry. The church is no place to toy with the word of God. And as I said, I am watching this church very carefully. And I'm not watching a building. I'm watching the people in this church all very carefully. Verse 7. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, even whom they have gone a-whoring. Now this is Israel, God's covenant people. God is speaking to them. That they were offering sacrifices to devils. When we send our children on Sunday to do their papers or to run track, we are offering our children to devils. A lady was talking to me today in tears. Lost control of her daughter. Asking what to do. I say start from small. You bend the tree while it is young. Because when the tree is old, you can't bend it. You'll break it. Apparently, the word of God is not getting true in this church. I'm not accountable. My hands are clean. I want you to know that. It says, this shall be a statue forever unto them throughout their generations. Whenever we read in the ceremonial law that an ordinance should be a statue forever, that's what it means. But it can only mean that the ordinance would find fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this hundreds of times because no ordinance can be done forever, but Christ is the eternal sacrifice Prior to a person coming to faith in Christ, our sacrifices were offered to devils, even our worship. In an unsafe heart, we are offering sacrifices to the devil. It's not coming from a cleansed heart. And if people were to only know where they are spiritually, they will flee to the cross. They would come crawling on their knees for forgiveness. People can perform the right duties of worship. They can follow the right protocols. But if the Lord has not given us, brethren, a changed heart that loves him, that hates sin, it is as if we were sacrificing to idols, killing a dog. Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? They're two rhetorical questions. The answer is no. 
The law is reiterated, reiterated in verses 8 through 10. This is as far as Mother Colleen read. And thou shalt say unto them, Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers, which sojourn among you, that offereth burnt offering or sacrifice. Sacrifice. Let me pause here a minute here in this text. Um, notice with me, brethren, how God extended the right of worship to the stranger. Notice, you see that, Brother Curtis? Israel had sojourners with them when they left Egypt. They had the heathen, the non-Jew, who probably wasn't circumcised yet because God loves the stranger and the widow. Already we see that grace will be extended to the Gentiles. This nonsense about God come for the Jews and, say, and, 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 and they reject him so they went to the Gentiles is not true. God always had the Gentiles in mind. Rahab, as a matter of fact, Abraham was a Gentile when God met him. He was an idol worshiper. And when God saved Abraham and he crossed over the river, the first thing he did was erect an altar. And when God saved a person, the first thing they do is to erect an altar. That altar is Christ in their lives. And that's why I say, our homes are the way they are because of the men who are fathers. Do you hear what I say? Our homes are the way they are because of us fathers. Do you have an altar? God extends grace to all. But though grace is extended to all men, the protocols are the same in worship to God. 9 and 10 says, If the stranger don't bring it to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer it to the Lord, even that man shall be cut off from among his people. Now, these are very sobering passages of Scripture. It's a, it's, a, it's a survey of the Old Testament, but as you can see, it is dripping with gospel. God in the gospel of his son. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, this is God's covenant people, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eat of any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eat of blood and will cut him off from among his people. The same law applied to the stranger as to the covenant person. There's only one gospel. God didn't save the Jews any different than how he saved the Gentiles. It's one gospel. The Lord was very detailed in Leviticus 17 of how sacrifices were to be offered 
So don't shy away from Leviticus. Don't, don't dismiss it. You may not understand everything, but it is the word of God nonetheless. The stated prohibitions, the place, prescribed place, where sacrifices were to be offered, and the ordained or designated priest, person, to administer those sacrifices. Salvation is not a private matter. It is not by man's design. These are protocols in the way God or the way to God as well as the way to worship God. And men have been tampering with, with the word of God and with the way of worship, throwing anything at God in the name of worship. And we heard some of these things categorized this morning and I was very grateful to hear these things coming from our pulpit. The Lord did not accept bruised or torn animals. And today people throw anything at God in the name of worship, the scraps of our time, the lateness instead of quality time, lateness and rushing into the sanctuary at the last moment, not prepared. And sometimes we don't even remember that we have an assignment on a given date. Come on, let's be serious. Unpreparedness in preparation and presentation. During the days of Malachi, the people of God brought that which was blemished before God. And the prophet chided, and if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or accept your person, saith the Lord of hosts? I never see nobody late for a job interview yet. I go up to Kennedy at six o'clock in the morning and hear all the solutions are there. And the Beijings too. But when it comes to church, the prophet say, offer it to your governor. Let's bring it home in applications. Yeah, yeah, yeah we should be, we, yeah, person, we should be meticulous about worship. Preparedness. Even the instrument, the, the hymns you're playing should be prepared a day before. I give you ample time. You think that, are you going to miss anything when we you laughing? There's nothing to laugh about. There's nothing to laugh about. Worship. Worship is worship. You know what the word really means? means that Christ is worth our worship. As a matter of fact, the word worship comes from worth. He wor he's worthy of worship. Let's, let's understand these things so that when I go from here, you would be a people who worship God right. So what we have looked at this evening, brethren, are shadows and types. 
In our dispensation today, Christians have someone better. We have the true tabernacle that the Lord pitched and not man. That's why we should be more meticulous. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary, like that. The sanctuary, not a sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. This is Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. That brought it home to us today. We not only have a better tabernacle today, we have a better priest, an assigned priest, one that sees the crevices of the heart of the worshipers. That's why the Lord was able in that parable to go in and see this guy trying to get into heaven and didn't have on a garment, a wedding garment. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You don't, you don't have on the right clothes. Remember one time I was at Madison Square Garden. I was a young man then. I was all the way down by the, the floor, you know. You know, down by the floor, by the corner, you know, down there, right? You guard come. Let me see your ticket. You don't belong here. Get up there. Wrong place, Tyler. Didn't have the ticket. Some people in church don't have the ticket. Don't have the blood. Don't wait to be saved like you heard this morning. No, you don't belong there. You, you were here, go up there, you're here, go down there. These are types that I shared with you. We have something better. Today, there is only one port of entry in the kingdom of God. One door. Not many ways, as some would have us believe. Don't listen. It's a way of Christ. And there's a way of devils. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. When we tie together the Old and the New Testament, we come up with the answers. Today we are told, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. Here again, we see the sprinkling. It is not a literal sprinkling. It's a, it's a spiritual sprinkling from an evil conscience. Our conscience is clear. We no longer is laden with the guilt of sin. And the we have done enough. And our bodies washed with pure water. The true heart is a converted heart. That's the only way it will be true. When you're saved by the blood of Christ. The heart that is sprinkled from an evil conscience. It's the heart that has the blood of Christ applied. And the wonderful thing, it is the priest Christ who applies the blood. Not mama and papa. The writer uses the same language as Leviticus. 
Grace sprinkle animals' blood, our Lord sprinkles his own blood. And that's why I say there is still blood on the altar. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now, I didn't get to the expository side of this verse, but I will just give it to you in closing. One, the preciousness of the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Precious life. Eternal life. Not any blood, but the blood of Christ. Second, the gracious provision. And I have given it to you upon the altar. God give it. Not the priests to make an atonement for your souls. And three, maybe we get to this the next time, the purpose for this command. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. This is our survey this evening. And may God be pleased to bless. Uh, let's pray. Amen. We pray, O oh Lord, that we have done justice to your word in this Bible study, in this survey, in showing the purpose of the book of Leviticus, and not only the purpose, the relevance of the book of Leviticus to us Christians today. We pray that you will help us in our study, in our study of your word, to find the truth and to preach the truth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.